So, very cool. All right, you ready for the word? Yes. Awesome. I'm ready for the word too. And I've left myself about as much time as last week. I'm doing good, aren't I? I just letting worship linger a little bit more. Who's enjoying our worship yeah. times and yeah. pressing into God's presence? And I just love it. I, just, I love worship. And so we can sneak a few extra minutes in there around that and just speed up the preaching. Well, let's do it. Amen? Amen. 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 Very cool. So the book of Romans chapter 4 we started last Sunday, and it's all about talking about our faith and, and the importance of our faith and how it leads us to salvation. And that it's not about the works and the good deeds that we do. And, and we don't belittle those. I mean, it's great that you do good stuff. It's great that you come to church. It's great that you make friends and you fellowship together. That's all the good works. That's good stuff. But faith is what leads us to salvation, not our good deeds. You're not going to get to heaven and go, well, I was a good person and I did this and that and I sacrificed my time and I you know, did all this and that. But, but the question is going to be around, well, where was your faith? Where was your belief? Who or what did you trust in? Your good works or Jesus who finished the best work for us? So we're continuing on from there and the rest of chapter 4 that we're going to look at today is talking about, I guess, the, the beauty of faith, the, the things that come when you are faith-filled. Uh, so let's go straight into it today. Uh, we're going to skip through all of that. And uh, oh, let's watch this again. This is cool. There once were two little boys who were best friends. They played together, went to school together, they even went to university together. They were inseparable. Until their careers took them in very different directions. One became a lawyer, the other a criminal. As one was promoted to a judge, the other disappeared deeper and deeper into a life of crime. Eventually, the criminal was caught and sent to trial. On the fateful day in the courtroom, he came face to face with his old best friend, the judge. And so, the judge had a dilemma. He loved his friend, but he had to do justice. And so, he fined him the appropriate penalty for the offence. It was a huge fine. There was no way he could ever afford to pay what he owed. But then, the judge took off his robes, went down, stood with his friend, and wrote out a check covering the cost. He paid the penalty himself. This is a good friend to have. I've got a friend uh, similar to that. His name's Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. There's, there's no way that that man earned that check. He didn't do anything to deserve it. His works, the life that he led, actually led him to jail because he was a criminal. So there's nothing that he did to deserve that freedom. But his friend loved him so much because they'd grown up together and he paid the price. And that's what Jesus has done for you and for me. We deserve death. That's our penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. And that's what we deserve. It doesn't matter, I don't care how good a person you are, or you can sit down with me and talk to me for hours about all the good things you've done with your life and how you've helped this person and that person and you gave money to them and you, and you did all of this. But my question to you is, is, that, is your faith in Jesus Christ who paid the price for you? Because if you don't have faith in him, man, I'm praying for you. Because you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need to have faith in the one who paid the price that no one else could pay for us. He gave his life 
on the cross for you and for me so that we could have the penalty of death paid for on our behalf. We now have eternal life because of what Christ has done and because of our belief in him. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done, and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, you are saved. And isn't that great? So that's what we're talking about today as we continue through Romans chapter 4. We're going to start with verses 13 to 15. It's on the screen already, or you can follow along in your own Bibles. So it says this, For the the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It's talking about God's promise to Abraham, uh, that he'd be the father of many nations, etc., Uh, For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. What's the point of faith? If if, if he got that promise because he did the right things and ticked all the boxes and followed the law to a T, and that's why he got the favour of God and the promise of God on his life, well, we don't need faith because our works achieve that. Uh, The scripture continues, Faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, There is no transgression. So the law, and I've talked about this previously back in Romans chapter 3, that, you know, it's not law versus grace. That's how some people put it. Like, oh, well, do I follow the law or do I believe in grace? Or is it it either or? Or are they mutually exclusive? I believe it's both. The law serves its purpose, as does grace. The law points out our sin. Because no one can keep the law. They can try with all their might. Even the Jewish leaders of the day, who that was their God, they've got to follow the Torah, got to follow the 600 and whatever it is laws that, that are written out. I've got to do that because that, they make a God out of it. But there's indiscretions. There's things that they miss. There's failures. And then they've got to sacrifice the animal and do all that stuff and, and take a long ritual. And, and We don't have to do that now because Jesus was our sacrifice. But the law points out sin. That's actually a good thing. Because when we realise we're sinful, the wages of sin are death, but, but when Jesus comes and pays that penalty for us and our faith is in him, we can turn to him, we can repent from our wicked ways. Does it make us perfect? No. But we turn away from those ways of living and we make a choice to follow Jesus. The desire of sin leaves us. For some it's instantaneous, for others it takes time. But who are we to judge those people? But if they turn from their wicked ways and their filled with the Holy Spirit and a love for Jesus Christ, your intentions change, don't they? If you've had a genuine encounter with Jesus, you don't want to go and sin anymore. You'll still sin because we're sinful, but the desire shifts. So that's what we're talking about. Law and grace play a role in the life of a Christian. Without law, there's no acknowledgement of sin. Oh, I can just do whatever I want and God's going to forgive me. It's all good. But that's not how we live. If there's no grace and there's only law, well, there's condemnation and death because that we can't escape because we don't have the grace of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so one night, the word of the Lord comes to Abraham. And we've talked a lot about this promise throughout this chapter. God took Abraham outside and he said, Look, look now toward heaven and count the stars. Who's ever tried to do that? That's a long night. Especially when you live in Stanthorpe, you're not in the city. In the city, you don't see as much, do you? Because it's too much light around you. In the, in the country, and it's dark. You just look up and you're like, wow, God's creation is amazing. So Abraham's outside, no city lights in those days. So he can see the stars pretty good. Count the stars, yeah, right. 
so shall your descendants be. So God's promise to Abraham was that he would be the heir of the world. In, in other words, Abraham would be the father of all believers. Paul points out that this would not happen through Abraham's observance of the law. It's not because he was a goody two-shoes and ticked the boxes and did the right thing. Abraham actually disobeyed God a few times, if you read the full account. And it would happen, this promise came, not because of his behaviour or his actions or his works, but because of his faith in his God. Paul further points out that because no one can keep the law, the law brings wrath. Many of the Jews treasured their law, as you know. They made a God out of it, like I've already said. And the idea that the law brought wrath was probably foreign to them. They didn't have that concept that the law was designed to, to, to reveal sin because they made a God of it. And so they, oh, I'm going to follow that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to be a good Jew, uh, etc. All right, verses 16 to 17, let's keep going. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist, as though they did. We're talking about the purpose of promise here. Promise is one of those great spiritual terms used throughout Scripture. Who loves a good promise? Who's ever had kids in the back of the car and you're doing the drive home or a big long journey thing and they ask, can we stop at this place for ice cream? Or can we have lunch at Macca's? Or can we, <laughs> whatever it is. And, and then your kids go, and then you go, oh, we'll see. And they go, oh, well, do you promise? Um, Just be careful, I parents. I promise that we'll see. Yes, I promise that we'll see. There is a well-practiced um, well well parent right there. you got to be careful when you say promise, because there's, like, commitment with promise, right? You know, the promises of God open the path of faith to us fallen and finite people. We hang on, we cling to the promises of God, don't we? Just like the kids sitting in the back seat clinging to the promise for ice cream. We cling to the promises of God for his provision, his covering, his, his guidance, his leading, his vision in our lives, whatever the plan is for my life. We cling to that, don't we? In the storms of life, that's what we've got to cling on to. That's our faith. Our faith is in the promise of God. So... The grace of God is available to us as a promise of God. Promise by nature requires faith on the behalf of the one to whom the promise is given. While at the same time it exalts the sovereign nature of our God when he gives a promise. It's like when I promise my kids ice cream, man, I'm elevated all of a sudden in their eyes. Oh, our dad's the best. We're stopping for ice cream because he promised. What happens if I break my promise? Oh. <laughs> Worst dad ever. Melody, you should be laughing. Do I ever break my promises? Oh! Lies! Lies. We'll pray for you at the end of the service. I'll get some of them. God chose to do things this way with promises in his word. 
Because it gives sinners a sure way to enter his kingdom. It's guaranteed. You know, if it's written in his word, it's a promise. Amen? Amen. And so if we read it, it's truth. Yeah? So is God a liar? He's not a liar. He's a way maker. A promise keeper. Sunday this morning. And so there are promises littered throughout the word of God that are for you and for me to hold on to and have faith and trust that God is good. And all the time. It's not just a funny little echo thing. I mean, we've been doing it for a little while now. But it's so true. Do you believe that when things aren't going good? When the bills are stacking up and you don't know what to do? When, when, When trouble comes and you're under the pump, maybe you're being persecuted, maybe you're being attacked, maybe you feel like your family, it's like you here and all your family here going, oh, what a load of rubbish, and they're at you. Is God always good then? He is, but do we walk in that? Yeah. It's Yes, that's good. I'm pleased to hear that. But there are challenging, stretching times for all of us. And, and it's not easy at times. So because Abraham was made to be the father of many nations, and this, according to the promise, he's become the father of us all, as the scripture says, this makes both Jews and Gentiles heirs of the promise. Because all means everybody. everybody. So it's not just for the Jew or for the Greek, it's for everybody. The promises of God are for everyone. So this truth had actually escaped Paul, the writer of Romans, when he was Saul the Pharisee. He he didn't have a revelation of this truth that this was for him at that time. But without a doubt, this is why he was so capable of tracing all the implications of this, uh, this, this essential doctrine, because he'd been so radically transformed on that road to Damascus He'd encountered God in such a powerful way. He just knew that this promise was for everyone. And so God moved powerfully through him, and he's written this account in the Bible so that we can understand the promises of God and that they are yes and amen. Amen? Amen. All right, 18 to 22. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. This is Abraham. He had hope because of the promise of God. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Who wants to give birth to a child at 100 years old? And uh, <laughs> and the deadness of Sarah's womb, because she was old. Sorry, you should never call a woman old, but she's not here to correct me. But she was old as well. Uh, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. How many of you know there would have been challenges with his belief? He's a hundred. She's aging. <laughs> and God tells them they're going to be the father of many nations. He's, you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to be someone to go. Oh, really? How? It, it, it's challenging. But it says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in. Faith, not in works, in doing the right thing or pleasing God, but in faith, giving glory to God. Because you know what? It was impossible for a hundred-year-old and an aging, lovely woman to (laughs) give birth at all. And so it had to be God doing this work. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. He did not waver. He wavered in how it would outplay, but that's another story. 
And therefore it was encountered to him for righteousness. This is the very first promise keeper where God declared a promise that seemed impossible, but it came to pass. You know, from a human perspective, God's promise that he would have a son and inherit the world, it looked impossible. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah, his wife, was beyond childbearing years, yet Abraham did not allow unbelief to consume him and rob him of the promise of God. God had made to him that promise, and so he believed that his God was a promise keeper. And his faith was in him. He chose to believe that God who came to him unsolicited. He didn't come to Abraham because he was wearing the right tunic that day. Or he did the right task sheet and ticked off all the boxes. Or he you know, attended church every other day or whatever. It was nothing to do with that. It was his faith. When God makes a promise, we ought to focus our truth that God never lies. And that he's capable of doing whatever he wants to do. Do you believe that this morning? Even when I don't see it. He's working. Even when I don't feel it. He's working. He's, working. He's capable of doing whatever he wants to do. And though we, we may be limited by our circumstances and, and the natural world around us and the resources that we have, we may be limited. This church is limited when it comes to believing for an incredibly new facility. We're limited. If someone pulls me aside today and says, well, how are we doing that? I'm going to say, well, can you talk to God on that for us? Uh, that'd be awesome because we've made the plans. We've done what we can do, but then we need miracles of, of, of finance. And, and I know it needs to be God because I look around the room. I know who's part of our church. And to my knowledge, I don't think we have any millionaires. Um, but if you are, come and see me after the service. We'll have a good chat. But, but we don't. We don't. But you know what? We built the youth hub. That was a challenge at the time, a smaller challenge than the new auditorium for, for church. But, but you still looked in the natural and you looked around and you're like, yeah, I don't know how we're paying for this. But we did. And it's been a blessing now for five years, six years, something like that. And, and kids and young people get to come and have kids club and youth group. We get to have a good facility for, for kids to have Sunday kids church. If you had to ask before that was built, we need God to do something. And he did. He's going to do it again. Do you believe that? Yes. God is faithful. His promises are true. And we may be limited by our circumstances and our resource, but God is not limited. God is not limited. God has a cattle on a, a thousand hills. Yeah, all of that. A thousand cattle on one hill or a thousand hills. Or... He has all the cattle. He does. And all the hills. Absolutely. And there's gold in them now, hills. Anyway, carry on. All right. We're coming. No gold cows. No gold cows. Anyway, let's move on quickly. Forgive us, Lord. We do not worship gold cows. All right. Verses 23 to 25. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. In other words, this promise, the promises of God, weren't just for Abraham. But every promise in the word of God is for you and for me, for his people, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Did you know that Genesis was written for you? Do you believe that today? Genesis was written for you. It was, according to Paul. 
The assurance that Abraham's faith equaled righteousness is as much for us as it was for Abraham. Just as God credited Abraham's faith to him as righteousness, he will credit our faith to us as righteousness. Have faith in God. When you're going through those storms, have faith that he will come through. I say this most weeks, but again, we could pass the mic around. If we had all day and we didn't have roasts in the oven at home or whatever, everyone, majority, would have some sort of testimony of God's goodness, something that he's done in the midst of a challenging time. I know Anita and I could probably take up a few hours to let you know what we've been through since we've been in Stanford. Some, many of you know a lot of our story and things that happened. But having faith in the midst of a storm is the challenge, most challenging thing you'll ever do. And, and everyone's storm's different. We can't look around and compare storms. But everyone faces different challenges across life. And the encouragement today is have faith. Because when you have faith, God credits our faith to us as righteousness. You know, Jesus suffered the unspeakable for our sins. He did it for us, for you, for me. And he endured being forsaken by his Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says it on the cross. If he'd not done this, God would have forsaken us forever. We would have carried the weight of that forsakenness. Is that a word? Forsakenness. Yes, I'm getting it on. Thumbs up, forsakenness. It's good to have a dictionary in your church. You can just look at it and give you not. I'm not going to say who it is because I always say I pick on them. I'm not picking on them today. I'm thanking them for being a good dictionary. Okay. Not only are we saved from the penalty of our sin, thank you, Jesus, but also Christ's resurrection gives us an entirely new position before God. If we are in Christ, we are new creations. How good is that? Abraham's faith transcends time. It reminds us that the words, it was accounted to him for righteousness, those words, were not written for his sake alone that was imputed to him, but also for us. That's what it's talking about. The promise to Abraham, it's a promise to us. So what does this reveal to every believer today? I'm so glad you asked me a question. The faith we embrace is not just for us, but for the world we are called to love and serve in Christ's name. We're to share the faith that we have in God with a broken world. That's our opportunity that is before us. You know, you know when you who used to go to like maybe a lake or a body of water, maybe a like a, like the Stanfield you know, Creek or whatever, and you skimmed rocks. Who's done that? Who's skimmed rocks? You know? Okay, a few of you. Most of you haven't lived. Come on, go and skim some rocks. When you skim the rock, what do you notice? It touches the water, and what happens? The rock bounces. What do you notice in the water? It ripples. And it ripples until it gets to the edge. The ripple goes. You might not see it with your eye, but I'm telling you, it will keep going until it hits a barrier. The promises of God are like that. What barriers are we putting up to the promises of God being spread in our community? Are we a bit unbold? Are we afraid? Are we... Are we, are we shy? Are we, oh, God hasn't given me that boldness to... And it stops the ripple. Because the ripple at some point got you. You heard about Jesus through someone, from someone. Maybe it was in church. Maybe it was through a friend. Uh, but the ripple reached you somehow. So it's just like that. 
Abraham's faith transcends time like the ripple. The faith we embrace is not just for us, but for the world. God drops this pebble of truth into the pool of Abraham's heart and the ringlets, the ripples, reach out to us further and further and further, even to this day. Wow. In Galatians, Paul gives more details for us to ponder, and he says things like, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, that's Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, that's Isaac, even so it is now. This is interesting. The message here is that just as Christians are like Isaac, who had a supernatural birth, instead of like Ishmael, Christians can expect their experiences to be like that of Isaac. What that means is this. Just as Isaac was persecuted by his half-brother Ishmael, Christians can expect to be persecuted by their half-brothers today. Let's talk about them. Unbelieving religious people like the Pharisees, religious leaders of Jesus' day, people like that. The fanatically religious, you know, Judaizers of Paul's day, those kind of people. And for us today, the unbelieving members and leaders of churches in our day. There's nobody here, it's the other churches. But... There are, there are churches that exist that just don't have the faith that, that God designed for us to have. And I'm not going to bag churches or point them out or name them because that's not, I'm not judging them. But you know they exist. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Or if you didn't know, they, they exist. Surprise. Uh, there are churches out there that don't necessarily uh, hold to the faith as, as, as we should. Uh, it's particularly in these challenging times where you know there's a lot of persecution happening. You know the left, wokeism, <coughs> don't get me started. But, but all that stuff that's going on that points to the church and says bigots, that stuff is happening. Now, some churches are caving under that. Other churches are saying strong to their beliefs. It's up to you. You're the church. So it's up to you what you believe. I know what I believe. So we, we, I'll put a little full stop there. <laughs> Christians can expect their experiences to be just the same today. Persecution is going to come. Challenges are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. Storms are going to come. People are going to point fingers at you and question your faith. Maybe very publicly. Social media is a big storm for all of that at the moment. You know, keyboard warriors. Don't ever argue on Facebook the same. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Ross stays off the book of faces. He's not into that. <laughs> Good on you, Ross. <laughs> I learned very early that that's not the place to argue. Because there'll always be a retort. There'll always be a... It'll never stop. And, and you might think, oh, I'm going to get them this time. And you type this big essay and you're like, I've cross-referenced and the Bible and it's all there. But they'll have something else to say. Always talk about stuff in person. It's so much better. So much better. But persecution is coming for the church. The Bible talks about it in the end days. Storms are coming. Challenges. The enemy wants us to lose our faith. The enemy does not want us to stand firm on our hope and the promises of God. The enemy does not want us to have a foundation of Jesus Christ. So he wants to come and bring calamity and trouble and storms into your life. But the encouragement to the believer is this. Continue to have faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand firm in the midst of your storm. 
Don't compare storms with others because there's problems in that as well. well they've got it harder than, than someone else. They, they've, got, they've got a more difficult work. Or mate, they don't understand me and the difficult things I'm going through. They've only got this and I've got that. That's, that's going to cause issues in itself. Stay away from that. Stand firm on your faith. Have a look at this. some of the words because of the technical glitch we love those glitches i'm going to read it to you again when the storms of life are raging who can relate to storms raging in your life to challenges to difficulties to problems when they're raging waiting can be the greatest struggle we live in the now generation don't we we want an answer yesterday please uh, i've got this problem today can it be fixed by yesterday i don't want to endure this anymore let's get rid of it so waiting is and can be the greatest struggle. Trapped in darkness, cold and alone, it feels like that when you're going through a storm at, at times. Even though we've got this great church and everybody here loves it, we're here for you, but, but going through a storm makes you and can make you feel very lost and alone and by yourself. You know, lost and wandering, desperate, desperate for a sign, thirsting for solace and finding now, stranded and surrounded by the rising waters, endlessly running but never reaching your goal. Who's had bad dreams like that? Where you're like trying to get to something and you just can't quite get there and then you wake up. Uh, fighting the temptation to simply give up. And, and perhaps many of us have been to that dark place where we've almost had enough and we're going to relinquish our faith because this God stuff just isn't working for me. That's so what the enemy wants you to do. Give up. Give up. Let go. Walk away. Don't be part of that thing. Well, in these moments when hope seems lost, listen for I, God. I am calling out. Hold on. The most challenging thing you'll ever do in a storm. Hold on to your faith. Because God's promise is, I have not forgotten you. Hold on. You are precious to me. Just because this difficult time has come doesn't change how God feels about you. Hold on. My rescue draws near. 
God's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's never going to forget you. He's never going to leave you. He's going to come for you. And he might not be coming in the midst of the moment when you're having the biggest struggle, but he's on his way. He's coming. So hold on. For I will lift you out of the darkness in the midst of terrible storms. Reach out your hand to mine and hold on. I don't know who's in the room today that's, that's struggling in that way. Maybe you've just come out the end of a season like that. Maybe you've actually found yourself at the beginning and something's about to unfold. Maybe you're right in the middle of it. But I want to encourage you today to hold on to your faith in Jesus. He sees you. He acknowledges you. And he wants to come into your life like a flood and give you everything that you need in the midst of your storm, in his timing, not yesterday. Yesterday is nice. And when it happens like that, that's awesome. But hold on in the midst of your storm. Let's all stand in the room today. (laughs) If that's speaking to you, just lift up your hands. The Holy Spirit is here. Hands right across the place going up. The Holy Spirit is here. And I just want to dare to believe that he's going to mend your heart today. That he's going to be the lifter of your head. That he's going to bring encouragement in the midst of your storm. In the midst of your challenge. In the midst of what you're facing. God knows what you need. My job is to point you to him and then he's going to do the rest. So Heavenly Father, you see hands out in front. Hands raised. People's hearts open. You know each and every one. You know how many hairs are on their head. You know every intricate detail about them. So God, I just want to ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come today in power, come today in authority, and remind each and every person under the sound of my voice, you are in control. Give us the strength to hold on in the midst of our challenges. Give us the ability to cling to our faith, Lord, when life is at its most darkest point. Remind us of Jesus Christ, your Son, and the breakthrough and victory that he has had on our behalf. God, you go before us in the storm. You are ahead of us. You know what we're going through and what's coming, and you see us. I pray, Father God, for every person that you would strengthen their faith in the house today, that you would encourage their hearts that you would mend brokenness and bitterness, that you would remove it in Jesus' name and in its place let joy come. Sorrow may come, but joy comes in the morning. And so, Lord, we trust you for our joy. We trust you for our provision. We trust you to lead us and guide us. And right now, Holy Spirit, for every hand raised, I'm trusting for you to do a miracle right now. Father God, open their eyes, open their hearts. Help them see that you are good. We declare it all the time in church. You are good all the time and all the time you are good. Let it be a revelation today that even in the midst of the biggest challenge, you are good. I declare your goodness in our lives. May we leave this place with our head hanging high. Lord, our arms raised high, our shoulders back because our confidence and our faith has been renewed and refreshed in the house today. Holy Spirit, bring refreshing, bring renewing, and encourage every broken spirited person in the place today with your love and your grace and your joy. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you need Jesus in the place today, you are in the right place.
If you're online and you're watching this and you need Jesus, you're listening at the right time. Don't tune out. If you need more of Jesus, if you need to make him your Lord and your Savior, if you're not living for him right now, maybe you've made that choice before and you've had a rough time and you're that person that is this close to dropping your faith, you need Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So if you need Jesus in the house today, just lift up your hand. If you need more of him, lift up your hand. Respond. God's looking for a response today. See that here? God's looking for a response. His hand's up in the place. Church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came and that you died for us. Our faith is in you. Not in anything that we do but in everything that you've done. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you conquered sin and death. I believe you paid the price for me. So I choose to call you my Lord and live you for all the days of my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God praise and glory.